0: Welcome to Becoming Whole Podcast. I am your host, Claire Bradshaw, a life coach and a yoga and meditation teacher. Join me as I explore with my guests what it means to live a life of wholeness and connectedness. A life where all parts of ourselves, our body, mind and spirit come together into alignment. Where we're truly living into our own personal values and the fullest expression of who we are. So if you're a seeker, a feeler and someone wanting more from your precious life, Then tune in every fortnight and let's grow together. Hello, hello. So great to have you listening in. I have been having such an incredible time receiving messages from people and hearing from people who've been listening to the podcast. I even went to a festival um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the girls actually recognized my voice from the podcast, which was pretty cool. And um, so it's really nice to meet people in in person who are listening into the podcast and hearing what they think. And, um, you know, in particular, I love hearing those stories of people who are finding that they're um, starting to implement some of the things that we talk about in this podcast and finding that the stories are really helping them to learn and grow as well, which is part of the reason why I run this podcast. Um, So if you would like to send me any messages, connect with me, you can find me mainly on Instagram. So that's the place where I tend to hang out. And it's also the place where I tend to do um, stories and, um, and I've started doing Instagram TV as well so you know sharing some tips and some tools that can help you on your um, your journey of life and um, so that we can kind of start to connect deeper in with ourselves and improve our overall health and well-being. So let's get connected my handle is underscore Claire Bradshaw underscore And if you're wanting some freebie bits and pieces that I've created, you can just head through to my website. So that's claire-bradshaw.com. And um, I've got some free visualizations, some meditations, and also a mini ebook that I created as well. And these are all tools that I use in my own life and I also use in some of the workshops that I run and with my clients as well. So if you would like to get those, head over to the website and come and say hi on Instagram. Okay, well, enough of that. Let's get straight to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 35 of Becoming Whole podcast with Claire and today I am speaking with Doug Wilson who I met at a Lululemon event about two years ago um, where he was teaching a Kundalini yoga class and he spoke a little bit about his story at that class and I was completely um, mesmerized by the story that of his life of you know the challenges that he has um, undergone over the last sort of you know six to ten years and I wanted to share this with you because I think so many of us will be able to relate with elements of this story and um, one of my highest values is to share stories from real people that can really help us to understand you know this life journey that we're all traveling on Um, so you will hear about how Doug Wilson. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's an author, a motivational speaker, and also a Kundalini yoga teacher. And at the age of 31, he was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor and underwent a 14-hour operation, which has left him with cranial um, nerve damage. Some lifelong complications included single-sided deafness and a loss of balance, along with permanent facial paralysis. And he talks a lot about you know what happened in his life leading up to this illness and then we also go into his kind of journey from becoming ill and then how he then worked to heal himself and then how he's using the knowledge the gifts the lessons and the learnings that he received on his healing journey and how he's now using that to help other people along theirs so I think that you'll find this a super inspiring interview and I can't wait to share it with you so let's get to the interview. Hi Doug great to have you on the show.
1: Hi how are you?
0: I am great thank you. Um. So um, I'm so excited about this interview because um, you have been on quite the inner journey and um, and I wanted to go back in time to the time before you began to make some big changes in your life and how you were feeling and, um, you know, really what was going on for you during that time. Um, so can you kind of go back in time and start to um, let us know some how you were feeling and how you were living your life?
2: Yeah, I think a, a good point to go back to is probably around about my early 20s, mm-hmm. but, um. I was living in Melbourne. I'd been born in Melbourne. I grew up here. And yeah, I was uh, kind of just a few years out of high school and not really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And kind of, all, I'd always been the type of person that always had always had that feel, that internal feeling of something wasn't quite right. I'd had that from quite a young age and that really started to just kind of evolve as I got older. And by my teen years, uh, finishing high school, I got quite into drugs and alcohol, um, started off as being like a weekend thing and eventually evolved into being, you know, quite a, a serious thing and a big part of my life. And I got to my I got to my early 20s and I was kind of starting to see that uh, that wasn't a sustainable way to live life. And my life was kind of heading in the wrong direction. And I never really had the tools of how to um, address that or tell somebody that I was kind of struggling with myself internally and I was a little bit worried about how I was living my life because I was surrounded by people doing the same sort of thing so my my bright idea was to kind of run away from it and uh, what I ended up doing was sort of packing up everything in Melbourne and heading over to the other side of the world Um, moved over to London originally with the intention to sort of go over there for six months and Earn a bit of money, travel for six months, and then I had this idea that I would just return home and my life would be kind of fixed. Mm. But all, yeah, but all the all the problems that I was kind of masking with drugs and alcohol throughout my life um, obviously followed me over there. And I got over there and and just sort of fell into the same sort of patterns, the same sort of routines. Uh, fell back into a corporate job, working working in the investment banking industry started earning a lot of money and started kind of chasing that and going after that. But also in the industry over there, drinking's a big part of London London life, like big cultural thing for socializing is around drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And because I had all that, all that patterning already ingrained into me, I just gravitated towards it. And yeah, just in in the investment banking industry is where I ended up and, and drugs and alcohol are just rife in that industry. I got really into to doing cocaine and stuff like that. And, and yeah, it was just on this really reckless path to just self destruction basically um so that that was kind of like my earlier life from sort of you know leaving high school up until my sort of early to mid twenties, I was pretty reckless, but you know everything seemed normal to me, like I could kind of sense that something was wrong, but I just kept you know on this reckless charge towards what I thought you know would help me which was what society kind of lays out of like be successful get into a job and career and make money so I ticked all those boxes and just kind of ran with it
0: yeah and how long ago was that
2: um so that was I'm 37 now so that was probably like 14 15 years ago when I moved over there right yep yep
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. And so you were working, you know, really long hours and then the way that you were kind of getting by was kind of like drinking and taking alcohol, like, you know, alcohol and drugs and all of this to kind of just keep it going. And then, and Mm -hmm. then what happened? So you were, how long were you in London for? A couple of years? Um,
2: Well, I lived in London all up for for around about 10 years, but it was, it was, it was probably around, um, sort of five, five, six years into it, I started to really feel quite physically fatigued and just really worn out. And I'd been doing a lot of like, even though I was living this crazy lifestyle, part of that crazy lifestyle was doing all this running as well. So I was running, doing all these runs around the world. I was really into travel. I wasn't so much into the running. I was into the sort of travel and extreme adventure side of the running that I was doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and... That that was kind of what led me to starting to see that there was something really wrong with me. I felt really fatigued, and I thought it was just yeah. all of that culmination of you know working these super long hours, doing all this partying, traveling around the world, and yeah, and just basically burning the candle at both ends. And yeah, that's what kind of led me to start really realizing that something
1: was was up with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like you were pushing both your mind and your body, and. Um... Uh,
2: yeah as as far as it could possibly go and and that's what i thought like i'd done i thought i'd got to the point where i I was having these conversations with myself like i kept getting quite um like i was getting sick all the time i kept getting like flu symptoms and having troubles with my ears and and getting ear aches and um and then i started getting vertigo and then i started actually collapsing and all this sort of stuff and i just kept telling myself like it was a byproduct of the way that I'd lived my life because I'd, you know, I'd have these conversations like, Oh, you're an idiot. You've just basically screwed yourself up and you're never going to get better. And I'd occasionally go and see a doctor and they'd just go, Oh yeah, you've got an ear infection or you've got sinus problems. It'll clear up. And that went on for like a good sort of 12 months. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then I was just like in this pretty horrible, I got into this pretty horrible place. It was um, pretty, pretty miserable.
0: Yeah. So were you also feeling um, like a bit depressed during that time? Did you have people around you who were kind of supporting you and helping you along this journey or was it kind of more an internal thing where you were kind of feeling worse within no. yourself? Oh,
2: I was I was definitely depressed, but unknowingly. So oh. like this kind of depression um, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a sliding tr- trajectory for me because I'd always been quite a social person and always surrounded myself with a lot of people and always kept myself busy. but in this time when I was getting really quite symptomatically unwell, uh, I was living between London and New York. I had a girlfriend who lived in New York. So I sort of floated between London and New York.
1: Mm.
2: And uh, in that time period, a lot of my, like say over two, three year period of my friends group, like, you know, people come and go from London all the time. It's a very dynamic and city and people are coming and going. And, you know, when I was early on there, I was compelled to make big groups of friends and all that sort of stuff. But over time, those, friends, friend groups diminished and things like that. So I was living this pretty personally. Um, mm. You know, I was kind of had this internal struggle. I mm. always had this mentality of, you know, don't complain, just get on with it. You know, what have I, you know, it's not, it, almost like it's not okay to complain. You know, this thing we're sort of sold in in modern society, the Western world, oh, we've got so much. So, you know, and there's all these other problems in the world. So how dare we complain? I kind of had that mentality. Yeah. Um, so I just, got, I just got on with it and just, yeah, just kind of slogged, slogged it out and suffered very quietly, um, kept it very much to myself, and it was um, very unhealthy and it was heading in a
1: very bad direction.
0: Right, wow, wow. And so, um, so then when was it? And you said you had a kind of about a year where you're kind of at a really low point and you were having these kind of physical symptoms. What happened then? Yeah.
2: Well, I got to this point where. Um, like it was almost like a tipping point where I just felt like I was going to snap. Like I started um, getting out of bed in the mornings and having this crazy vertigo and I'd sort of get up, take a step, I'd fall over and the room would spin around me and
1: Mm.
2: I'd lay on the ground kind of like trying to stabilize myself. And then whatever, like the whatever was going on with me neurologically would kind of balance itself out. And I'd pick myself up and I'd run to work, but I'd just be like tormented by these experiences sitting at work and just in this constant, like, bad vibration of just, like, what the hell's wrong with me? I can't take this. And I got to the point where I was basically ready to kill myself. I was just so mm. unwell and i have been sort of in and out of doctor surgeries, everybody telling me, like, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I ended up then just one day just leaving the, my office chair, going to the emergency department um, at my local hospital and basically having to just beg um to find out what was wrong with me effectively and and sort of saying, you know, like, well, if you can't find something wrong with me, I'm basically going to top myself. So that's Mm. kind of like was the rock bottom point for me. Mm. And yeah, that's the point that I got pushed to that where I couldn't see life as being something worth living anymore because I just felt so bad and I felt so guilty as well because I kind of put my, I felt like I'd created solely that way of feeling and there was just no way out of it. And again, going back to that point, no one to ask, no one to talk to. I felt very alone, yeah. and I just didn't want. I just didn't want to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. So then you didn't have the opportunity to kind of like unravel and really understand what was going on at that point. It was more the the negativity of the the guilty feelings mixed with the feeling kind of crappy um, inside and physically. Um, yeah. So what happened? So then you went to the doctors and you said, I'm not kind of leaving until you, you know, really investigate. What, what happened then?
2: Uh, well, then they told me that I would get a, um, a, a brain scan um, mm-hmm. and that ended up happening like um, two weeks later. So I had to go home and wait for the referral and all this sort of stuff. So that those two weeks were just horrid. I was really unwell at that time. Like neurologically, I was kind of struggling. Even by this point, I was struggling to talk. I was having all these problems with my hearing and facial numbness, and I couldn't even um, you know, like type on my keyboard properly. I, it was all these sort of things wrong with me. But I ended up going in for the, an MRI on my brain a couple of weeks later, and and that uh, returned the result of having a, quite a massive brain tumor in my head, known a, known as an acoustic neuroma. Mine was about four and a half centimeters, which is pretty massive, and it's. Mm. Um, a tumor that was originating from the auditory nerve out into the brain and pressed up against the cerebellum and the um, brainstem. So it was, that was what was affecting all my neurological signaling in the body. And uh, yeah, from that point things changed pretty rapidly.
0: Mm. Wow. So you went from this, you know, uh, living in London, you know, with lots of money, traveling, pushing things to the limit to then within you know months, things starting to shift and change and then you're given this diagnosis. So
1: mm-hmm. that
0: would have been obviously a huge shock to you at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what happened then? What transpired after that?
2: Well, ma- massive shock in the sense of like, oh, now I know what I've got to deal with. But because of my personality type and my mentality around things, I actually f- felt quite relieved by that mm-hmm. once I found out. Yeah. Because... Then it was something tangible and I just went straight into this mode of like, right, I've got to get this thing out of my head. I literally left the hospital, went home, went back to my apartment in London, packed my bags and jumped on a plane back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from then things went pretty quickly. I was in seeing, you know, neurosurgeons and all this sort of stuff really, really quickly. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of months later I'm, I'm going in for, for surgery.
0: Wow. So, yeah. Mm. So packed up your life, went back to Melbourne hometown and, yep. and had the operation. So after mm-hmm. the, after the operation, I mean, obviously that would have been a, you know, a huge operation. Um, yep. how, how was it after that? You know, how did you, how did you feel and how long was the recovery from that point?
2: Um, well, yeah, this is where it gets pretty interesting yeah. because uh, I, I ended up having a 14 hour operation that, um was pretty grueling um in terms of the operation being a success they removed the tumor from the head they are they fully removed it um it was benign we didn't know before going in whether it was cancerous or benign Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, but it was benign which was the first probably win out of everything was that that i didn't have that to deal with but um the operation had really um, because of the placement of my tumor i'd suffered a lot of uh, cranial nerve damage in the operation, mm-hmm. so um, I ended up in intensive care, so the high dependency unit of the neurology ward, I went straight from theater into that h d u ward uh, where I was pretty unwell uh, so, yeah suffered all this neurological damage and spent about four days in there fighting for life, so I was right on the edge of existence and had those pretty incredible experiences that you hear about when people have near-death encounters. So seeing these kind of tunnels of intricate shapes and flashes of light and stuff like that, and it was kind of in that moment that really set the, I think, the, or planted the seed for quite significant change, but I didn't realise it at the time. Mm. But I kind of came out of there um, quite shocked um, but obviously I didn't, this is all stuff that would unravel kind of even years later.
1: Yeah.
2: But, um uh, I managed to come out of the, that intensive care unit and into the neurology ward and, um, yeah. Then from there got pretty crazy. I was out of hospital like a week later, but I was oh, trying really? I to, try, yeah, yeah. I tried to, because once, once I stabilized from the actual like, um, surgery, um, it was, not, it was not much difference between lying on the couch at home and I wasn't in danger anymore. So it was basically do rehab in the hospital or do rehab at home. So wow. I decided, I opted to go. I was like, just get me out of this hospital. That's my mentality. But I went home and kind of rushed my recovery. And then about three weeks later, I ended up contracting um, meningitis and ended up, because I didn't allow my body to rest, basically. I tried to, um, part of what had happened with all my nerve damage was I'd lost, like, I'm permanently deaf in my right ear. I got facial paralysis and I'd lost also the balance nerve on the right-hand side, so I had to learn to walk again. And when I was, as soon as I got home, I kind of forced that and was trying to force myself to learn how to walk again. And I I wasn't really resting my body like I should have been, so I contracted meningitis and ended up back in hospital, nearly nearly died again. While I had the the meningitis, I got swine flu as well. What? And... uh, yeah, yeah. So I had about three weeks where I was just really crook and pushed like right. So I, was, I spent another three weeks in hospital after I'd been let out. And I uh, was lucky to kind of make it through all of that. And that was when that was the catalyst for me sort of saying, like to myself, uh, I don't really know how to take care of myself.
0: <laughs> wow. so, because, yeah, Because it's almost like you know, you had a huge. Slap, you know, like from, um, you know, the the body, you know, with the the brain tumor and everything. But then what you said, which was I think really interesting, is you came out of hospital, and then you were starting to go back into the same uh, habits of you know pushing yourself, and and then, yep. and then you got sick again to pull you back for rest, and you know to kind of yeah. So so yep. did you find that like after you know having the the brain tumor then the meningitis, then the swine flu, did you find then you went, like, did you have a bit of a realisation within yourself going, oh, you know, I need to change the way I'm responding to life or, you know, working with my body? Like, there's some big changes that need to be made now.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, But you're right, like, it was this massive slap of just kind of this big, thing that happened to me in that intensive care unit. It was a quite incredible experience. But I didn't totally understand it at the time. And the the thing is like the way that we're constructed as human beings is um even though once we realise something, it's not always the easiest thing to change. Like the realizations come a lot quicker than the change. So yeah. You know this had all happened in a very short period of time, so I was still hardwired to be this person of like you know yeah. my mentality was like I need to get back to work, I need to get back to doing all this stuff, and then everything will be normal and okay again yeah. um and when I got the meningitis and um and swine flu and all that sort of stuff, I really did see that as like that I did have that intuitive um awareness of like yeah man you need to you need to slow yourself down or you're just going to end up back in that situation again but it goes back to those same problems that i had earlier in life that i just didn't know how to do that like i'd never been shown that in school i'd never been shown self-care i'd never been shown how to understand my mental well-being my emotional well-being so i really didn't know what to do so i ended up um in this kind of really messed up headspace because like i'd had this crazy experience of um you know, seeing this light and having this experience in hospital and seeing things in um, from beyond the, the standard realms of perception. And I didn't really know how to talk about that or do anything. And every time I went and saw a doctor or anything else, all they would do would put me on medication. So I was ended up on all these, it's like on all these opiates and um, benzodiazepines and all this sort of stuff, just medicated and ended up on the couch as this kind of like blob of just, You know, and I'd always had problems with drugs and alcohol. So, you know, the pharmaceutical medication, I developed a problem with that. And I was just kind of like laying on the couch, just sitting there going like, I I don't know how to take care of myself. And I started watching all these documentaries about people that would heal from, you know, like changing their diets and all this kind of stuff. And I started to read, like sort of get into that side of things. I was quite intrigued by it because everything I saw was quite compelling there was all this evidence around, you know, like, um, you know, pharmaceutical medications bad and you can do more, um, you can fix yourself more with things like anxiety and depression with medicinal marijuana and diet and all this sort of stuff. So I got really into that and kind of went, de- that's where I started going down that road towards what's almost deemed as alternate health, but I think they're practical health methods. Yeah. Mm. yeah and I ended up sort of getting into a plant-based diet that was probably the the first thing that started correcting things for me and then I started feeling better within within like a month of shifting to a plant-based diet I really noticed the difference and started to started to heal that way and then um to get off my pharmaceutical medication I went and saw um this is like getting towards me getting like back into being able to walk again and feeling a little bit more um, normal again i went over to california to see a doctor about uh, medical marijuana and use that to get off all my pharmaceutical medications and yeah that kind of got me back to the point of like i uh, i started feeling a, a bit more like a human being again and um that got me back towards my path of real rehabilitation and kind of that was again what moved me towards uh kind of that was like the shift that was the start of the real yeah. shift to where towards where i am um, now.
0: Yeah so getting off the do you mean getting off the pharmaceutical drugs and getting healthy from a sustainable perspective?
1: Yeah so yeah. so yeah getting
2: away from buying into that, um, that like, and don't get me wrong I think um, modern medicine is very good at treating certain things like acute injuries yeah. and um, acute situations and stuff like that but for long-term um you know if <clears throat> i had that realization if i was really going to heal myself i was going to have to, it was going to have to come from a different means than what the sort of modern medicine and pharmaceutical approach was telling me yeah yeah um so that was kind of my shift towards that but i never really uh could have imagined where that would have gone um you know and where it's ended up now it's been quite phenomenal
0: Mm. so um so you took the medicinal marijuana and that helped you get off the pharmaceutical drugs so um, Yeah, the,
2: within, like, within like a week
0: wow that's like, amazing yeah, yeah that's i so just felt amazing.
2: yeah i felt so much better from um, using but not using marijuana in an irresponsible way um yeah. i think it's pretty it's still widely misunderstood there's um very specific ways that it has to be used and it's again it can be dangerous like anything else, but I tried to use it um, responsibly early on. Yeah. Yep.
0: Intentionally. Sorry? Intentionally. With intention.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like I could see, but again, my dick like that, uh, whole thing with marijuana, I got a bit too carried away with it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I got, cause it made me feel so much better. I just yeah. like, I got to this point where I like, but that sort of came later on. I was just, got really into smoking weed again, like I, but I'd been smoking weed since I was like 12 years old. So yeah.
0: Yeah. You yeah,
2: know, So it was, all, it was always something that I had like quite a, um, like a connection with. Yeah. So, and I effectively look at that now, like that whole thing with smoking weed from a young age and doing drugs and alcohol from a young age, I was effectively self-medicating myself my whole life
1: mm. so,
2: and yeah, and this is probably like getting into the point now where I started to move away from that, right? And, and and started to really tap into, you know, the inner mechanics and 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 starting to correct all those problems that I never had been had been shown early on in
1: life.
0: Right, right. So, um, how did you then begin to correct those problems, and how did you unravel what those things were that were going on in the background?
2: So basically, what happened? Even though I had started correcting things with you know better diet and and using medicinal marijuana to kind of uh, you know that really did help me out that stuff that really physically got me feeling better kind of made that fogginess in my mind clear up a little bit better and I could feel the the um like what that was doing to my my body and um but it was never going to fix those underlying problems and I still had that mentality of like, oh, I've got to get back to work and all this sort of stuff. So within yeah. six months, I was back in New York and back in London and back working in the investment banking. Oh, right. In, so yeah, you, who,
0: you then went back to London and oh, then, yeah, yeah. yeah right. It,
1: okay. I,
2: even though I did calm things down, I still, yeah. I still pushed to get that, you know, cause I, I had this mentality of like, I just need to get back to what was taken away from me. Mm. And that, that even even running a marathon so like within 6 months like from going from being on my literal deathbed and having to learn to walk again i got back to london and and ran ran a marathon and it was the monday morning after i'd run the marathon that i kind of sat at my desk at, at, in london looking out over the london skyline and kind of thinking to myself like how have i ended up back here you know like
1: yeah. and i kind of
2: really had that realization of like oh, i don't know if i really if this is the pl- place i wanted to be before i got sick and and then I was questioning myself, like, you know, why have I gone through all of that pain and suffering and everything that i you know, learned about myself in the last six months to just end up in, in a, back in a place I didn't really know that I wanted to be. And then I, I really had that deep realization of like, I, that was when it really kicked in of like, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know how to take care of myself. I don't know where this is going. And I don't know if I'm just going to end up back where I was, like yeah. taking drugs and you know, drinking and, you know, just kind of like going through the motions. And mm. that was when I kind of like, in a way, I kind of asked for help. Like, I kind of like said to the universe or said to life, I'm like, I need help.
1: Mm.
2: And from the moment that I admitted that,
1: <laughs> it, was,
2: it was insane how quickly that help came. Wow. Um, so amazing. Yeah. Like, within, within days, like it was like days later, I was signing back up at the gym and I met this guy. Well, uh, you know how when you sign up at the gym and they want to sell you heaps of like um, personal training and all that sort yeah. of stuff?
1: Yeah. So I,
2: got those, I got those automated emails from like signing up at the gym and one was like, you know, this personal trainer is like, yeah, come in, free session, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, man, I don't want to. And we just had this back and forth exchange that ended up in me just sort of like telling him to, you know, telling him everything I'd been for and just to basically leave me alone.
1: Mm. And he came
2: to and he's like, oh, well, I've got this thing outside the gym. And he starts like going on about energy healing and all this sort of stuff. Um, And he's like, I think it'd be perfect for you. You you need it. And and I was like, again, I had this, my initial reaction was like, piss off, you know, like, I don't want to hear anything about that. But then I had this intuitive feeling of like, no, you need, you need this. And I kind of like, you know, this intuitive like awareness had been switched on by this point. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to go and check it out. Like I've got nothing to lose. Like, what I've been trying in my life thus far hasn't really worked out too well for me. So I kind of went, all right, let's, let's go check it out. And yeah, I went and saw this energy healer and, and that, that whole story in itself, like I could sit here for like an hour and talk about that whole experience, but effectively that showed me like, you know, I went in there, I had this really skeptical mind about it. Uh, I, I come, even though I was working in the investment banking industry, I was working in enterprise IT architecture. So around, things like heavily revolved around physics and computer science and stuff like that so i always had a quite a practical understanding about energy and things like this and this guy's talking about like divine energy and all that sort of stuff and i'm just like yeah whatever so my i'm like totally skeptical about it
0: yeah i have this i actually have a question here so even though you've gone through what you've gone through and you've had these kind of um, spiritual experiences when you're in intensive care where you touched in something that was outside of the physical of what we already know and you had, saw some lights and things like that even though you'd had those experiences and then you'd come mm-hmm. back to London you you were still a bit closed off to this stuff you were still skeptical um,
2: well it wasn't so much that I was closed off to um, the elements of the spiritual elements or you know yeah. those deep dimensions of life because I'd always been that way okay uh, in a sense, I'd always, I'd always, I grew up in um, like my schooling life was through Catholic things. So I was always questioning those kind of aspects of life. And I'd also had similar experiences to the one that I'd had in hospital um, with like psychedelics and stuff like that. So, you know what I mean? So I was aware yeah. that there was, that there, that there was um, gateways to other realms of per- perception. mm mm-hmm. but in terms of understanding um see I was always still quite those things were still quite had those like um like there's always something tangible attached to it so when somebody started talking about like divine energy and divine healing I'd never heard that like I'd never heard that kind of expression or you know and divine energy healing and all that sort of stuff and the way that it was being sort of sold to me before I got into the session was that like it felt like, you know, the guy was saying to, like, to me, like, God's going to fix you, you know, which I, yeah, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of just, had, it starts having that kind of like religious kind of connotation to it. So to me, yeah. like, I was never against spirituality, but I was against religion.
1: Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and I, could, I could never buy into anything until I had that experience. But having said that, from that moment of skepticism of laying down to have that energy healing session again I was shown very quickly oh my god there's this isn't total bullshit so yeah yeah, I laid down on this table and this guy put his hand on the back of my head and yeah I just had this insane experience of just going into this other realm and just yeah I was very clear that something was happening to me and it was felt like like systems were being switched back on and I had, all, again, all this intuitive information come to me during the healing session and basically the short version of it was just that it showed me how um, unbalanced I was and how extreme, like, I felt like I was split in two. Like, I had these extreme, this extreme high and extreme low and these two extreme parts of my nature, which is the way I was. Like,
1: wow. I
2: was that way. Like, I was either high or coming down. I was either, you know, like, running a marathon or, you know what I mean? Like, I had just, it was either one way or the other with me and I had no balance and that's what i got from that energy healing session mm. um and that that i, I kind of left the session and and went out into the world and and i saw it in a completely different way and mm. and yeah and then i had like there was this kind of month after the energy healing session that was just insane like um uh, and we like i would need to talk about it for hours here so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: um but, but it was had- just you had a new, like, awareness. Were you able to, from what I'm kind of getting from what you're saying, is that you were able almost to see yourself from afar. You had almost like an observer of yourself and what was what was your yeah. personality without getting involved in the, the negativity around that and criticizing how you were. You were able to kind of, like, almost zoom out and see yourself from afar. Is that, would that be? Yeah,
2: that's 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 a really good way to to put it actually and and there was a again there was kind of like a thing that led towards that and it was at the end of the energy healing session i was like so blown away and i was talking to the the dude that had done the session i was just like you know what have you done you need to explain the science of this and blah 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 and he was just like he was taking that kind of approach of like divine energy brother like you know blah blah, blah. and um but he did say one thing to me that really was a a, a big thing that that sort of kicked off what, what you were just talking about but he, he goes well Because I was going back to the office after this energy healing session.
1: Right. And
2: he goes, oh, um, you know, don't get too caught up in the day. He goes, sit back and pay attention to your thoughts. Mm. And as simple as that may seem, nobody had ever told me that before. That there was like a distinction between what I thought I was and my thoughts. See, I always thought that I was my thoughts, right? So I always had that self-identification of the mind being the only experience of life. So I never had that 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 um, seed planted in me that like, well, there's more to you than just your mind, you know. Like mm-hmm. I never had that that thing where you can be aware of your mind, you can be aware of your body, and you can be aware of the world around you. So I would never had that 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 sort of seed planted of 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 being aware rather than just being caught up in 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 the frantic nature of the mind. Wow. And that was a revelation for me because I was kind I kind of went nobody's ever said that to me before. And I've never really thought about that. So I got back to my office chair and I was just watching my mind. So I was effectively meditating yeah. but I was just, sitting there. and then once I'd known that that was a possibility, I just didn't stop. So basically I went into this phase of like weeks of just stripping my mind back, like without doing anything else. And this brought all these other incredible, incredible experiences. Um, and then ultimately, what that led to was about like a month later. the next thing I know i 'm sitting on a Greek island um about to learn Kundalini yoga
0: oh, wow wow yeah. so so during that period it, you said it was a month yeah where well, had well, come
2: yeah I, I can't i can't i can't um pinpoint the because the time became. Really irrelevant to me. It was it, it was really insane. It was a really insane period of time. Maybe about a month. I reckon it would be maybe four to six weeks sort of thing. But yeah. 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 Then all of a sudden I'm, I'm on this uh, yeah Greek islands and yeah about to have even more crazy experiences.
0: Yeah. Wow. What a journey. And so then you did the training, the Kundalini training, and then did you have more? Yeah, full experiences during the kundalini training and
2: well it wasn't it wasn't kundalini training oh, it was just okay. a, it was just it was just a kundalini yoga retreat so okay. what had basically happened after the energy healing i'd got quite fascinated with that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. i wanted like I'm a, i always have to understand how things work so i started researching energy healing and things like that i was like i've got to i've got to understand how this stuff works And um, just in the same way, like I've always been into researching like physics and all that sort of stuff. So I just kind of like turned that towards energy healing and stuff. And that led me down like a rabbit hole of, you know, things like I started reading about spirituality and and Hinduism and Buddhism and all this sort of stuff. And that ultimately led me to, you know, reading things about yoga, which is stuff that I'd never been into before. And I kind of just, again, had that intuitive feeling of like, I've got to, I've got to go and like explore this more. And I just thought, oh, well, maybe I'll go on a yoga retreat because like, that sounds like some, something I need at the moment. And I I, can't, I just Googled um, yoga retreat Europe and booked the first one that was available and, and then just went Ooh. and I had no idea. I, like I had no idea that like there was a difference between, you know, Hatha yoga and Kundalini. like, I just thought they were all gimmicky marketing terms.
1: Oh, right! wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. Like, so I just thought, yeah, yoga, whatever, I'll, I'll be okay. Like it's just going to be chilling out on a Greek Island stretching. That's what my I my, my thought I was going for. And um, yeah, I ended up going onto this Island and, and it ended up being quite a crazy um, experience. Like just the way everything happened because um, this was like a private um, Island yoga retreat. And it was only m- like me, one other girl who herself was a yoga teacher and the actual yoga teacher on this island. So it ended up being this really um small, intimate thing. And um yeah, it was just the way again how things work out. It's quite interesting. Because if I had gone to a Kundalini yoga class as a one off, I would never have gone back because my first impression like was like it's <laughs> so out there and so bizarre. But because I ended up being on this island for a week and in this kind of intimate setting with these two other women that were yoga teachers, um, I really got into it and I really started to see. Oh my God! Wow, this is like there's a science to this practice, and how much I changed in that week was phenomenal. And I had I had these crazy experiences, like if you've ever heard of people talking about kundalini rising or kundalini awakening. Yeah. Like I I definitely had um, one. Very profound and out there experience um, in that week, and that was just a, another one of those things where my body just lit up into pure bliss and mm. I had again had a flood of um, in- intuitive awareness and realization come through that basically answered a lot of the questions that I'd been asking myself my whole life, and it really showed me the, like why I'd been taking drugs and that the body has the ability to create that all naturally and all this sort of stuff and you know ever from that moment. Of being on that island not only did I never touch recreational um drugs again um but that ultimately led me then to going back and um quitting my job like within days of being back from the island I gave up my, my career that I've been working incredibly hard at for you know eight nine years and mm-hmm. and yeah and then and then bought a yoga mat and um yeah started
1: wow. yeah, practicing wow. yoga and,
2: and 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 then and then that started another quite rapid transformation, like really rapid transformation and that that's what um effectively led me to be get- not just getting healthy but completely transforming myself and 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 starting to break down um my lack of understanding about myself and and starting to see how you know my my neurotic behavioral patterns and you know how disconnected I was from myself, like Kundalini yoga for me. Was just uh, ins- an insanely—I uh, don't even have the words for how amazing and how beneficial it was for me, and 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 um, how thankful I am for coming across that pra- uh, that practice.
0: Yeah. Wow. And how incredible it was, like, you know, just going back in time when you had that realization at work and you had that kind of feeling of like, oh, I'm back here. Have I not learned anything from these experiences I've gone through? Um, And then kind of almost surrendering and sort of saying, I I actually really need some help now. And then seeing how quickly, like you said, things then unraveled and you were then a essentially kind of guided and intuitively you you were just doing things and then acting on it you weren't kind of questioning or pushing against it you you were just allowing yourself to be taken through with the the energy of this shift that had happened within you that led to kundalini and then you know you couldn't kind of get away per se you know it wasn't a class that you went to once and then kind of never went back to you're actually there in an immersive experience and then during that it sounds like then it was the final thing to make you sort of go, okay, some shifts are going to happen now, and boom, you know, yep. you made that 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 final shift um, to to change. So wow, yep.
2: yeah, no, that's that's spot on, and and Kundalini yoga did end up being the tool that I needed to really fix myself on a fundamental level. Um, I'm not one one, even though I'm a big advocate for for Kundalini yoga, I still won't sit here and say that it's for everyone. Yeah. again its a very it's a very intense practice, and it's very specific in what it does and it's, um, it's very rapid in, in in how quickly it can bring about change and self-realization and self transformation and not everybody's ready for that, or not everybody's ready for that at, at the intensity that Kundalini yoga can deliver. but for me, you're right, that's exactly what I needed, and that's what ex- exactly what I needed and it was amazing how like, like we were saying how quickly it happened and then and then to, to just highlight how how incredibly remarkable that that was um you know this I'd probably taken up the Kundalini yoga experience was like seven months after you know being on my literal deathbed, and then maybe another six months after um after taking up the you know a pretty regular daily practice of Kundalini yoga, just my own self practice mm-hmm. um that's when I went on to to do the um seven marathons in seven continents in seven days. So I was I was still pretty unwell when I was on that island. Like I would, wouldn't say that I was even physically um, recovered. But yeah, then, you know, six months later, I go and do something, um, you know, from a physical perspective that's pretty remarkable. Um, and to me, kundalini yoga definitely played a massive part in, in being able to do that. And that's um, what ultimately led me to really stepping back. It wasn't until after I'd run the seven marathons uh, in seven days that I really stepped back and I'm like, okay, there's something to this practice, and I need to go and um, investigate this quite um, deeply now. And that's when I started to look into becoming a teacher and and um, all that sort of stuff, and then deepening my practice and and yeah, and the the results since then have even been even more ph- phenomenal.
0: Wow, wow! And so, so you'd quit your job, you then after sort of six or seven months you then after a lot of self-practice and then doing the marathons then you decided to become a teacher and then that was like a month's training was it that you did well
2: well I decided to do the teacher training I didn't necessarily ever think that I was going to be a teacher I was I went into the teacher training with the sole um, purpose of deepening my understanding of the practice so yeah, I actually even said on the first day of the course when we did like the meet and greet and the introductions, I, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to become a kundalini yoga teacher. I just want to understand the science of it. Yeah. So I, I, I always suffered from social anxiety and, um, you know, public speaking was my biggest fear. So I, I had this um, really firm stance within, within myself that I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to get up in front of people and teach this stuff, but I want to understand it. Yeah. But again, um, in doing that, it was just that guiding thing like that, that kind of came about. And, you know, the way that I ended up um, getting into teaching was, again, it was just that gradual process. And and as things went on, I became more comfortable with the idea. And yeah, I ended up getting to that point where I did start teaching. And and now years later, um, I'm not only teaching, I'm also, um, you know, working with People in drug rehabilitation and and all this sort of stuff that I that I could never have imagined even a few years ago that it would have ended up that way. But you know it, that's just kind of how it's played out, and
1: mm. yeah, yeah, it's kind mm. of
2: come 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 right around. And and now, like like what we were saying, it's actually a good way to sort of come back around to what we were saying at the start. Like you know um, you can you know you can never sort of imagine how it would would come around and, and play out like that.
0: No, no. You can't you know, you can't predict and um, mm. how things are gonna be. And um, you know, I think it's your your journey is such a beautiful um example of how when we get out of our own way and um you know at, allow that that kind of that flow of energy to come through and and taking our personal challenges and experiences and allowing them to kind of like evolve and develop and, and and seeing where that goes because i think that you know i know within my own life and i see it around me a lot you know we can have this fixated idea of how we need to live our our lives based on what other people have told us and how society is. And, and actually, if we can let go of some of those things then and allow what's actually being called to us to come through, then um, it's quite an incredible um, thing that can actually um, develop and to sort of look at your life now and how you're living it. I bet you could never have predicted that 10 years ago, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think what you're talking about there is something that's kind of happening on mass within humanity at the yeah. moment. So mm. lots of people are kind of asking those questions and 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 wanting those answers. And yeah, it's a quite an interesting time that we that we live in. And I definitely agree. Like, there's a there's a lot that we've kind of been told or led to believe throughout our lives that I don't think is is the truth of 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 what's actually going on within our existence. And mm. I think now that we're exposing those kind of untruths through through having the means of things like the internet it's leaving like a lot of people to be asking those questions and wanting to know more about the truth or you know the true nature of of ourselves and and what lies within yeah and i think it. i think things like your your podcast is a perfect example of that of, of like what you were saying again at the start like wanting to share those experiences and and share like you know like sharing real experiences with each other not just kind of like the the mistruths and the misinformation that's been kind of like perpetuated throughout humanity because we everything that was you know the past few thousand years has all been based on like lies and control
1: yeah
2: and now we're all screaming out for this no we want to know the truth so yeah. you know we're starting to see that happen and and
1: mm-hmm. I think
2: like even this conversation is a perfect example of this and yeah. And, uh, definitely. and and yeah, we and now like the same way you want to share with the podcast, you know, now I share through teaching and through writing a book and things like that. And I think yeah. where there's we can see a shift in humanity where this is starting to happen and we've gotta be patient and I think stick to the path and, and we can um, you know, correct things and actually bring humanity back to be quite an amazing thing.
1: because
2: mm. It's kinda of, kinda of lost its way a little bit over the past few thousand years thanks to religion and people trying to control but I think we're getting back to that point now where we want to take control of ourselves and mm. I, I definitely know that my life story is, is an example of that and I'm still working on that like I'm, I'm not one that'll get up and say oh yeah I fixed myself I know all the answers mm. uh, I will get up there and say I've definitely changed myself but I've definitely changed myself and developed my awareness enough to know that that's an ongoing um process and requires a lot of d- discipline dedication and mm. and um uh, you know, we've kind of just glossed over my story here and I'm not, by by no means was what I did an an easy thing. Yeah. You know, I went through hell, like, um, to really get to the, you know, the depths of the lies I told myself or, you know, like you know, when you start to unravel things and you start to see all the, the bullshit that we tell ourselves all, over our lives. Like, it's pretty confronting to realise that, you know, not only have we been lied to, but we, we lie to ourselves. Like, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things to deal with
0: yeah when you actually take that full self responsibility yep. um, it's it can be quite yeah as you said very confronting oh, um, yeah and there's you know there's a lot of emotions that are kind of come up, and there's a lot of you know internal kind of digging and um, something that I've found that's helped a lot with my own unraveling um and i'd love to get your thoughts on it is as i have kind of gone into some of those dark places within and you know i've I have processes as well, you know. I've done some Kundalini, and I absolutely love that. You know, I have a personal yoga practice, physical yoga practice as well, and meditation and journaling, and you know, some breath work practices and things that have all, you know, individually helped. And but okay. something that also, when I have got to those places that feel very uncomfortable within, is having the kind of voice within of compassion so when the mm-hmm. stuff comes to the surface not uh making it bad not making it scary but bringing this um inner love to that and it has helped me to really soften as i've gone into those deeper places do you kind of uh, you know have you is that how you work as well or is it still um progressing?
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand what you're, you're talking about. And I've definitely had those kind of experiences where I've had the realizations and then kind of berated myself about it, and gone, oh, I can't believe I ever
1: mm-hmm. used
2: to be that way. And I can't believe I, I did that to myself or I did that to somebody else. Or what a you know, what an asshole am I? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I, you know, I've had moments like that, but and then I've definitely had to step back and, and treat it with compassion because it's it is the right. I think there's a sort of gentle approach, and otherwise you, you you can sort of get on that dangerous path. You know, kind of regretting your the, your choices in life and all that sort of stuff. So, like what you just described, I think it's um, uh, it's definitely like a good approach towards it, but it's also not always the easiest thing to do.
1: No, it's, yeah.
2: And I think I think exactly what you were describing is, is almost that thing to develop you know like self compassion is yeah. is a is a beautiful thing to be able to develop develop because once we can be compassionate within ourselves that's when yeah. our that's when our compassion will spill out onto other people yeah so until we, until we do develop that self compassion we we can't be truly compassionate towards others and i think mm-hmm. i think it's something that definitely needs to be worked on and even for myself it's still something that i that's still something i would definitely uh work on now like i still have moments now where i get you know quite down or, you know, still doubt the things that I do or that I've been working on. And, you know, there's always those questions sort of bubbling away. Am I doing the right things? And I think from my own perspective, the tool that I try to lean on is um, from the yogic perspective, because I try to live quite a yogic lifestyle. I don't mean that in the sense of going and doing stretching and stuff like that. I mean, trying to live um, from a perspective of neutrality. Yeah. So, being, so being able to see that there is good and bad Um, but being able to try and act and address things from a neutral state of awareness so Mm -hmm. we've kind of been sold this thing in um you know in 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 sort of contemporary culture that everything has to be positive and everything has to be happy and don't bring any negativity into anything and all this sort of stuff but that's not reality because there's positive and negative things to everything that's that you know what i mean so it's about being aware of about being aware of them because if we strive just for positivity and all this sort of stuff, like that can be, you know, then we live too much with our head in the clouds and we don't address, you know, the negative aspects of existence, which we need to address as well. So we need to be aware and honest that those negative aspects are there and Mm -hmm. treat them with, not with positivity but with neutrality. So look at it and go, okay, I see that negative aspect or I see that thing that's not right. Mm. How How do I address it? Um, in In terms of like where I want my life to go and how that 's going to fit in with the greater scheme of of our existence, I think yeah. that 's the hardest thing to do rather than going from this like well i 'm not going to be negative i 'm just going to be one hundred percent positive I think there 's a danger in that as well
0: yeah, yeah, no I completely agree, and the thing is that something that i 've noticed um, as i 've kind of delved deeper into some of the shadow parts of self and you know the the negative ways of how, you know, how I've been and things that haven't worked and things that have worked is when I've gone into those um darker places and I've actually owned them. Like I've I've brought them to the light and um and I've brought the awareness to them and then I've kind of then questioned, okay, how could I do it differently? You know, that's gonna be, you know, a better way to be, that's gonna be better for me and better for other people. But then also how do I bring it to the light so that I'm not um shaming it and yeah. not carrying it around in the background and pretending it's not there but it is there but just owning yeah. it and i've yeah. found, but owning it with this sense of compassion and just knowing that it's just part of being human and that's okay yeah that's
2: yeah that's i think that's spot on like that's that's the thing so that's that's to me like to sum that up is you you're taking realization and actually turning it into change yeah so a lot of a lot of the thing where we can slip up is we can have the realization and and imagine and imagine that the like once we have the realization we we, we get the sense that 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 means the work's already done so, yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. so right like so so a lot of people have the realization but never actually do anything to do like what you said like to, to treat it and work through it with compassion or however you want to work through it mm. and um so you, even if you have the realization and you don't do anything to change it, you haven't actually fixed anything
1: no exactly
2: yeah i think that's like a good way to like really like emphasize that point of like you know even if we go through these processes of unraveling ourselves like we still need to be careful how how we do that because if we unravel too much then we don't actually do the work to to create the change so there's definitely like a balance there you know like and and i think a lot of that happens that's why things kind of unravel in stages that's why we kind of also, because it sounds like you've gone through similar experiences, so you kind of get to these points in your life where you're like, oh, everything's fixed. Everything, you know what I mean? Mm, yes, like,
1: yeah, like, totally.
2: The work's done, everything's yeah. hunky-dory. Yeah. Um I've got no more problems. Like <laughs> life is glorious, and you go through a little period of time like that where you're on cloud nine, and then yeah. bang, something else happens again. And I think that that's I think there's a, like a, a need for that because could you imagine like if you think about how that's happened over your journey of yes. self realization and uh, develop developing self awareness awareness? Could you imagine all the shit hit the fan at once? You you would mm-hmm. break you.
0: Yeah. So I think yeah. It's to- exactly. Exactly. And it's like the new. The new thing that needs to come to awareness comes at exactly the right time, you know? And yeah, well, you can't be hit with all of the things at once, like you were just saying, because yeah, it would, yeah, be, too it would be too much. It would be too much. Yeah. And so, everything is, is once you begin, everything begins to unravel at the exact right time. And it's that place of coming into trust and knowing. Well,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. But,
2: all, but also, in accordance to how much work that we do. Yeah in reality towards it yeah. so not so not living in our minds and, and contemplating like change it, yeah. it comes when we actually start acting on it yeah. so that's that's where I reckon like the, the big the biggest thing that is not really talked about so much is it's, it's when we start acting on it because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of talking about like karma and things like this but I don't mean karma from like a moralistic point of view of like right and wrong I mean like you know our, our actions create reaction in the universe so yeah yeah, it's when we actually start acting that that things start coming back to us so
0: yeah
1: and and
2: it be like a a physical action within reality
0: yeah yeah completely and i've just i know we're going to finish up the podcast in a moment and i've just come back from a 10-day vipassana silent meditation retreat and and yeah and you know they talked a lot about they call it in Buddhism. They call it samskaras, but in yoga, yes, I, know. You know, I know what they
1: yeah,
0: yeah, and to actually have the physical experience of the samskaras was amazing, because mm-hmm. you know, for the when you start doing, have you done vipassana before?
2: No, but I'm actually going to attend a ten day retreat in June. Oh, in
0: amazing! UK. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Amazing! Mm-hmm. And to just feel the the sensations in the body that are connected to the subconscious, which are, you know, our automatic reactions to what's happening in life. It comes from a physical sensation before we then act and take the physical action, whether it's words or, or, or physical, and um, actually start to then witness that and Mm -hmm. feel that then being able to then come out into the day-to-day life and feel those sensations before. I then take an action, whether it's words, whether it's thoughts. So were they
2: were they were they doing that with um like a guided meditation yeah. or
0: yeah. yeah, it's like a guided yeah. body scan meditation, um yeah. over and, and, and over and, again,
2: and involving the chakras. From
0: no, there wasn't really any talk about chakras in the no. um, in the practice, but very yeah. much about. Looking at our aversions and our cravings. So, when oh, okay. you know, you're sitting there and you're having a sensation, some of their sensations can feel quite nice. And then you, yeah. you get the opportunity to then also witness how you then react mm. to that. Oh, that so do you awful. react with, I want more of that, you know? Or, mm. you know, when you have an experience of a sensation that's not so nice. So for two days I felt like someone was strangling me, (laughs) not so nice. And, um, you know, just sitting with it and observing it, but not reacting to it to push it away.
2: Yeah, that sounds awesome.
0: So it was, you know, which is really incredible to just stay with this as you were saying before, this neutral state of mind, not saying mm-hmm. it's good, not saying it's bad, not pushing it away, not wanting more, but being able to stay in this place of neutrality and just yep. was hugely powerful.
2: Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Yeah. And you're doing like ten hours a day, aren't you? Like
0: Yeah, ten hours a day. Yeah, yep. yeah, for sure. So um but you know again it's like you go into it it's really challenging you know you
1: oh yeah yeah that's yeah. going
2: to be very confronting that's what i'm looking forward to is um and cuz i've been so um involved in my kundalini yoga practice and that's you know that's the practice that i tend to use yeah. and it'll be really great to see just a different perspective a different modality and mm. um and just after hearing your story that's i'm really like yeah i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah yeah for sure so good look Doug this has been such an incredible interview I've really enjoyed you sharing and your story and your wisdom and you know it's so amazing that you you know you did listen to your intuition and um, and began to make some positive changes so that you can have like a a positive impact on the world sharing your story and the ups and the downs and all of the things that happen in between so thank you so much I have I have one last question for you before we um, finish up. So um, what does, this podcast is called Becoming Whole, so what does Becoming Whole mean to you?
2: I think uh, from my own experience, it's just learning to uh, understand what's happening within and not shying away from it. So I
1: Mm -hmm. go
2: back to my start of my story. I spent my life ignoring that. So ignoring those kind of like internal warning signs, so to speak, you know, those things where we kind of get that intuitive feelings of like, oh, this isn't quite right. or These choices that I'm making aren't kind of serving, um, you know, me as well as they could. Um, I think to become whole is to more understand and, and not um, ignore that kind of inner uh, noise that's kind of try, trying to give us guidance effectively. And I think it's a process of, of of developing an understanding of towards that. And the more that we understand that inner noise and and the you know the, the kind of dialogue that goes on with us, the more complete we are as human beings, rather than just being sort of caught up in the frantic sort of high level act, activity of the mind. Um, and that's what it's been for me: getting getting more into that full experience of of being totally uh, human. And yeah, not just yeah in this one sort of like quite limited aspect of existence which is kind of living through the the mind or the mental aspect of reality
0: beautiful beautiful thank you so much and um you have a book out yeah
2: i do yeah Yeah.
0: so do you want to talk a little bit about that and then also where people can find you
2: yeah, so um, my book was kind of, again, like what we were talking about uh, earlier on where, you know, you do, you do the podcast because you want to share your experiences. The reason I wrote my book was because I'd had read during my recovery, I'd read some pretty incredible books that really kind of helped me out. And I thought, oh, wow, what a powerful, powerful gift to be able to share that if you can write something and it can you know influence change within people. So that's why I wrote it. Uh, the book's called Kundalini Running um and it's kind of just been out I did it as a solo project I um print I did all the work myself and printed it and designed it and all that sort of stuff myself and yeah shipping shipping copies out of my garage
1: from my own, <laughs> Love it. From, my
2: own, from, my own from my own website so I've got about a thousand copies sitting in my garage I kind of took a I released it and then took a little bit of a back step on it and we're about to ramp it up again with some proper marketing and stuff like that and just sort of see where it goes. And yeah, but if any anybody's interested, it's available on uh Running dot com. And it's just yeah, it's um
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah fantastic yep. and you know i think we've only really touched a little bit of the surface of your story there's so much more within that oh, yeah. so, um, i can't wait to get my copy i'm gonna place an order so um yeah um such an amazing um story and such an incredible gift even though i'm sure in part you know during your journey you know during those hard times it probably hasn't felt like a gift but um no.
2: well in looking looking back though i i see the value in it all yeah. so i do- and i I actually even i even write about that of of sort of saying like i really appreciate what happened because it showed me something more to yeah to myself and and yeah so
0: yeah it it is a gift yeah no exactly um great and um and then so you have a website are you on um, social media as well
2: yeah everything's just kundalini running on instagram twitter and all that sort of stuff so
0: fantastic well um love love your work love your kundalini classes i'm definitely going to be back again soon so um thank you so much for all that you're doing in the world
2: all right thanks for the chat
0: thank you bye doug
2: cheers bye
0: well what a story hey um i absolutely loved that interview i found it hugely inspiring. I think having these authentic and true conversations can be really healing for all of us. Um, I know that for myself I really resonated with Doug's story um, in terms of being in the workplace and striving and trying to get my sense of identity from my work. Um, similar to Doug, although of course, not as extreme. It took illness for me to begin to make some changes in my life as well. And one of the things that has helped me hugely has been my physical yoga practice and meditation, along with cleaning my diet up and just becoming more conscious in general um, and you know, implementing practices like self-discovery and journaling. If you yourself or you know someone who is experiencing feelings of depression or loneliness, please get help. Please look for some support in your community from a practitioner, something that's going to suit you. I also recommend a body work practice like yoga um, and you know meditation as well, but do seek the help that you need and please do not suffer alone. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And I do hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some new insights. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do share it with friends you think may benefit from the message. And if you'd like to rate the show and give it a review on iTunes, not only would I be so happy, but this will also help increase the show's visibility so that more people can benefit from the messages. I would love to connect with you so you can find me on Instagram. My handle is underscore Claire with an I and an E Bradshaw underscore. I so totally can't wait to connect with you soon. Have a beautiful day.